The Ordinary Folk Podcast is a project that highlights the fortitude of common, everyday people through storytelling. This is a collection of stories that showcases silent human resilience, heartbreak, and triumph. You can follow this podcast at Ordinary Folk Podcast on Instagram, and you can be a part of this project by reaching out to me at ordinaryfolkpodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is a passionate digital marketer and storyteller. Today, she describes her experience of navigating her professional and personal life as an empath. She goes into detail about working through feelings of doubt and shame. Welcome to the Ordinary Folk Podcast, Kelly. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so I really want to start where the story began. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a small town in Southern California. You know, like my family were, uh, we're all very kind of like funny people, like outgoing people, you know, it's always was so much fun there. See the problems I think that like you kind of typically run into with like small communities, you know, obviously like there's not a lot of people. (laughs) So, um, so you kind of grow up with the same people kind of time after time after time. Did you have any siblings? Uh, yeah. So I actually have um, an older sister and she's a year, like basically just um, a year and a half older than me. Um, like if I was born like a day later. So we're pretty much, yeah, like a year and a half. So we're very close. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In age. Um, that's always been like interesting because generally, you know, with siblings that are closer in age, like I think it's a different dynamic and like my family, we're all very, uh, like hobbyist people too. And we still are interestingly enough. So my dad, he always had like an array of like interest growing up. So he like, I know when we were born, he was into like, uh, stained glass. And then he got into kind of like fixing kind of like gadget now gotten into a little bit of like woodwork and like roasting his own coffee. My mom, she does a lot of quilting. I know she did like embroidery when we were younger. She would do sewing. For me, I'm into a lot of like digital art. Um, I'll do digital drawing, photography. And my sister's really like into health and fitness. So we're all just like very hobby people. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like you all have like distinct big personalities. So it sounds like a really loving home, to be honest, like you guys had a lot of freedom to explore different interests. And it sounds like your parents also gave themselves that same sort of liberty to go in whatever direction they felt. So what was your experience like in high school? Did you take any interest in anything there really specifically or have any sort of blossoming of any interest take place? So interestingly enough, in high school, I did get so I started off doing a lot of like cheerleading, which was I mean, which was fun. You know, I really liked kind of cheerleading. But then my senior year, I decided to pivot and I did theater and I got really into theater. And it was funny because I remember I would sit there and it would be like way after school. I'm still in the theater building. My mom would call me up and she'd be like, um, where are you? Are you are you coming home? What's what's going on? What's happening? And I was just like, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm still here, still at the school, still at the theater building because I just, you know, I just really loved theater. And it's actually interesting because when I went to college, I actually um, majored in theater. It was something that I I didn't quite know how to make into like a career, but it's still something I very much love. um, And I still very much love kind of like storytelling and all of that aspect. So are you still active at all now in any sort of See, unfortunately, I, it's one of those things I want to get back into because um, I fell sort of out of it. But the one thing that I did kind of 
carry on through it through college is I studied a lot of media. Um, so I did take like TV criticism when I was in college. I took, um, when I was in grad school, I actually took fandom and active audiences course. So we studied, yeah. So we studied fandoms and like fan at works. And it's just one of those things that like studying sort of like different television and media and like how television's made its impact on society was just something that, I was always just very interested in. So I learned a lot from that. And and that's kind of also carried over into some of like internet culture. So I have a huge background in kind of like internet culture. And I'm that person. I'm that friend that sometimes my other friends will be like, oh, have you seen this thing on the internet? And if I have not seen it, they get very excited because usually when they say, have you seen this thing? I'm like, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it. Like I'm that person who's like seen that trend. Well, so when did you complete your master's? I completed my master's in 2017. So I... Oh, so very recently. Yes, very recently. (laughs) Um, So I actually finished my bachelor's in 2014. And then I took a year off because afterwards I didn't quite know what exactly I wanted to do because I got my bachelor's in communication and um, because I wanted something, again, a little bit more broad, but I liked communication. I like kind of the TV studies. After that, I um, was really kind of, I kind of fell into like advertisement sort of like professional organization in my town that I joined and they sat there and they needed people like on the communication team helping out with their blogs, their contents, their social media. So I kind of just did that. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting, you know, and it's something that I really like. It's something that I enjoy. Um, I like kind of being on the internet. I like kind of the storytelling and everything and kind of fit back into like my theater background. My, my love of theater was like stories and like that storytelling. And that's, yeah. I completely see that because it's like when you distill something down, it's just mm-hmm. a story right? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you should have done a communications degree because for some reason I keep getting people on here who have communication degrees. <laughs> Maybe that's who I think are going to be the best storytellers. I don't know. Um, but right. Going back to this job. Um, so then after that, I was like, you know what? I was like, I really am enjoying this. I'm really liking this. You know, this is something that I, you know, do want to make a career out of. I, you know, again, my communication degree, it's really good. I'm, I love my communication degree. Literally every single job I've had, regardless of what that job is, I've used that degree in. So, but I wanted something broad. So that way afterwards I can kind of focus a little bit more on stuff. So that's why I was like, you know what? My sister went to grad school. I had a lot of friends who went to grad school. You know, I think grad school is the next best step. And so I took the year off so I could study for the GRE. Plus also too, I was living at home and I was able to get a part-time job and really save up a lot of my money, which helped a lot when I was in grad school. But so I ended up going to grad school for digital communication and media arts, which I I absolutely loved that program. Uh, My grad school was in Chicago. Um, so I was down in the loop, which I love. I love Chicago. Chicago's like best city I've ever lived in. Um, and I'm so grateful. And I actually lived there when the, um, when we won the world series, I was there, um, and I got my bachelor's in digital communication, media arts or my master's, sorry, digital communication, media arts. And what was really great about it is that 
we learned a lot of how to like produce content and how to create content. And so I actually learned uh, a lot of really useful skills. So I learned a lot of graphic design. So I built up, actually, that's how I got into graphic design is I took a course in it and I just, I mean, I was horrible at first. I was horrible at first. My designs, I look back on some of the designs I did in that course and they are awful. But I take pride in that, I think, because then it shows like, look at how I've grown. Look at where I started out. And that was in 2016. And it's four years later. And like the skill that I've gained is, you know, I I like being able to see that growth and see me kind of evolve and everything. And I really liked how I could take my communication degree of how do I take this information and present it to people in a visually pleasing way. And it's just something I really liked about graphic design. And I um, talked to my teacher and I was like, you know, I'm really interested in building this up as a skill. What do you suggest? And so she told me, she was like, um, she's like, you know, I really suggest that you look at other people's designs. Just keep looking at designs. Just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and see what they're doing. See what is what is it that makes their design well um, and just kind of keep a catalog of that. And that's honestly really just good advice for, I think, creating a lot of like content is being able to sit there and see like, what are other people doing? How are they doing it? And being inspired by it, not like stealing it in a sense, but like sitting there going, how can I interpret that into mine? Because after a while you do actually really start to kind of build like an, eye, build a skill. The first two full-time jobs I got after finishing grad school a lot of it had to do with the fact that I could do graphic design. You know, I was Mm -hmm. able to go in and say, you know, because these were both marketing positions. And I was like, yeah, you know, I also know graphic design. Here's some of my graphic design work. And they would be like, oh, oh, wow, that's that's impressive. So like, it's great that, you know, you are like you have this skill. One interesting thing about the program there is that a lot of this, the theories behind the stuff that we did was usually a lot more design. And I strongly suggest like design philosophy is, is really, really impactful to learn. One of the best books I read in grad school was this one called, um, it's by Don Norman's The Design of Everyday Things. Um, Mm -hmm. So he goes through and he explains like the way things are designed and like why they are and And why, especially in marketing, it's so good to have that like design philosophy is it makes you kind of think about, okay, what I'm the message that I'm creating and I'm sending it out. Like if I was in the audience place, if I'm kind of the person that's being marketed to, how Mm -hmm. do I interpret that? God, that is so awesome. Because one of the reasons that I am discouraged to do a master's degree is because I'm like, I don't want any more theory-based stuff that doesn't push the needle for an actual company, you know, as, as, as me, you know, coming in into the marketing side, but that's really extremely cool. What, what university was this? (laughs) So this was, um, DePaul university in Chicago, USC has like a social media one. I kind of looked into that, but the timing didn't quite work out. I know for me, sounds to me like you're really happy with both your undergrad and your master's degree. And that is so rare because so many people regret doing, you know, even an undergrad because they're like, oh, I'm never going to use this. Or as it turns out, I'm not using this. But it's really cool to hear you speak so highly of both, you know, experiences because that in itself is not common. Yeah. Well, I think because a lot of it 
especially for my undergrad. Oh my, I changed like quite a bit of times. Cause like I said, I know I actually started out as a theater major and it was uh, the one thing I kind of do regret a little bit is the fact that when I was a theater major, I, um, was actually two classes away from getting my bachelor's in it. I ended up dropping the class on, or like one of the classes, unfortunately. And, um, so I, I had to drop it to a minor, my sister, she actually was a communication major and she would always come and she would like have her textbooks and she would be talking about what she learned in class and all this. And I was like, Ooh, this sounds interesting. Like this sounds really fascinating. Like all these different things that you're learning. I'm like this, this sounds actually pretty interesting. And so, you know, I just, I went and, you know, kind of pivoted into there. And like I said, you know, extremely happy because even in kind of like part-time jobs that I've had, I still utilize that communication degree because you, you learn how, you know, and why sort of people speak and communicate. And then it also makes you think about your communication style and being able to interact with people. And I think that that's what helped me on a lot of like, you know, group projects then in graduate school. And then, you know, now at like in my career and my job, being able to like talk and communicate more effectively with people, you know, especially when it comes to things like design, um, because, you know, like there's people that when you're getting like a design or when you're getting content and, you know, when you have people in the company, that's like asking you for things, like you kind of have to sit there and like work with them because they're just like, all right, this is kind of like the general idea that I have. This is what I'm looking for. And it's that sort of that collaboration of like, okay, what is it that they are looking for in a design? What is it that they need and how can I create a design that addresses those needs? You know, and sometimes when you're working, they may not know exactly what is it that they need, you know? So you have to kind of have this conversation. You have to kind of look and say and go like, okay, what, what's happening here? What's the best way to sort of structure it? What's the best way to do this? I couldn't agree more. The ability to speak clearly, to get an idea across, it's so important in any industry. And so I really resonated with that. But I also think that you're right, like to be able to communicate clearly also makes you a more intuitive listener and someone who can actually understand what another person is trying to convey. My takeaway from this is that you're really happy in your career and your education. It seems like you're quite fulfilled and like there's a sense of excitement in your voice as you talk about these things too. So can you like walk me through after you finished your master's degree and you entered the workforce, what was that like for you? That transition from being in academia or and in training, I suppose, to entering the real world now, you know, ready to take it on. What's one thing that kind of is interesting to me is that like in school, you know, I feel like when you turn in an assignment, it has to be like, like it has to be like you only get one shot at it. And like Mm -hmm. you, what you turn in is like what's graded, but see like in a work environment, what's interesting is that you can kind of sit there and you can like sit there and be like, okay, here's my work. Here's what I have. And you're able to get feedback on it. And then you have to work on that feedback. Like I said, I, I like creative problem solving. I like being able to do that. And when you're in school, it usually is more often than not usually kind of made up scenarios that like you're solving for, um, mm-hmm. or it's like a made up company or made up this. So you're kind of just creating these projects and you're like, okay, here you go. Whereas like in a working environment, it's a lot more like, you know, like the people around have, they have like specific things that they're looking to be solved. Um, they're like, you know, 
whether it's, you know, cause sometimes it's like for marketing, it might be a brand awareness issue. Like you may have somebody that's saying, Hey, you know, we have this whole department over here. People aren't aware that we have this service. You know, what, what can we do? You know, and in marketing, it's like, that's something we can help with. And I think that that's always really satisfying when, you know, I am able to like, offer my services and help somebody achieve something that they didn't think was possible and being able to help them do their jobs and um, get what they need. And, you know, you do see that a little bit more and you see that reflected a little bit more, which I really like in like a working sort of environment. One thing that I've been working on of myself sort of recently is kind of learning to validate my own feelings. Because it's like, you know, in childhood, like, I think the one positive thing was like school, you know, for me. And, you know, because I did, I did have like my stories when I was young. I did have my family, which was really nice. But I think that growing up, you know, I grew up kind of in this like small community and I never really felt like between sort of like the different adults there and different kids, I never really felt like my feelings and emotions were validated because I remember when I was in pre-K, I, I had a teacher, like she, she never really liked kids crying. I remember every recess, these boys would pick on me being a normal five-year-old, like I would cry, but I would always go to the teacher and I'd be like, Hey, these boys are picking on me, you know, because they would always say like, go tell an adult, like if you're being picked on, if you're being bullied, like, you know, let an adult know. So I would go to her and I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm being, I'm being bullied. I'm being picked on, but she always got mad at me because I was crying and she would send me to the bench. And I always got in trouble. So I always got punished. And I mean, it's one of those things that like, it wasn't until later. I mean, when you're, when you're that age, I think it's a little bit difficult because you think that you're the only one, I think kind of getting into a little bit of trouble, but I know later on, she just, she was like that with a lot of kids. Um, she actually sent one of my classmates to the principal's office because she didn't like how they cut paper. So, (laughs) you know, she, she had stuff I think happening, but when you're, when you're five years old, you don't quite understand why I think you're being punished because you're like, I did what I was supposed to do. I thought I was reacting appropriately. And then to basically be told, no, you're in the wrong and then get punished, especially when they never got punished. Was she your teacher for multiple years or was it just the one year? Thankfully, it was just the one year and it was only, I think, half a year because it was so the program was like, It was after preschool, but before kindergarten, I think it was only for half the year sort of program. It was very short. Yeah. So, I mean, thankfully it was just the one period. Um, and I was kind of able to like move on from there, but I just know that that, I think that that just kind of experience just like stuck out at me. Cause I think it just was like completely contrary. And I think to what I was used to growing up, especially, you know, just like with the other adults around me who would like listen to me. And then it's like, you have just this one adult who just, you know, is not acting the way that like adults should be acting. You know what I mean? So as you got older, did you experience that again? Yeah. So uh, as I got older, um, I know that I had, there was like kind of this other, um, teacher that I had, you know, in third grade and she, you know, and she, she was very dismissive again of a lot of 
people's feelings. She didn't really care. Like the kids could just be mean and kind of vicious at each other. And she just kind of checked out, you know. But again, I know for her, when I had her, I believe both her parents passed away. Um, So I know that she was going through, you know, a bit of a rough time. But it's one of those things. And it wasn't just me, but like when you're kind of young, like you don't realize it because it's like, I don't see, but I I think it's because I can only see myself getting, you know, kind of in trouble where these other kids didn't, but like, it's not like we spoke as kids and it's not like kids would talk around and be like, Hey, I'm experiencing this. Are you experiencing this? Oh, you're experiencing this. Like you only, we don't really have the tools to develop and like make those connections. So you only see what you see and you think that that's like the world. So I think that that kind of did have a little bit of an impact, but I know that when I was in middle school, that I think is when you, you, you know, you kind of start developing a little bit more of like conversations and being able to talk a little bit more. And I'm one of those people I'm very like, you know, when I was younger, I'd be very communicative and I'd be very much like, I would sit there and I would say, um, like, Hey, I'm feeling this, or, you know, like when you did this, it made me feel this, you know, and I would try to talk Mm -hmm. to people a little bit more. But just the town that I grew up in and just like the kids that I grew up in with just any time I would try to sit there and say, like, I'm feeling this or, you know, this is what's happening. They were a lot of people were very dismissive, you know, are very much like the well, we don't care. You know, that's kind of maybe they made you feel like you were over communicating. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's that's a, like a good that's a good way of phrasing it in a um, way. No, I actually I understand what you're saying, because. It is sort of a nuanced, hard to understand thing, but it's like sometimes when you come out and try to communicate what's happening internally, people are like, please shut up. We're all not going to talk about how we feel. And that's the status quo. And now you've broken away from that and you're making all of us feel uncomfortable. So then they behaved in a dismissive manner to try to get you to shut up. Yeah. Like I, I did kind of want to talk about it and, you know, but of course, like as a kid, how, how do you kind of maintain like a good balance of that, you know, and how do you, how do you kind of interpret that? And, you know, um, your, your parents, did they sort of instill this sort of communication in you? Like it was at the household that you grew up where, and everyone was quite vocal and comfortable sharing their feelings. Yeah. So that's see, and that's where I got a lot of it. Cause like, you know, at my parents' house, like we all were very communicative. Um, we all would like sit there and talk and like, you know, they never sat there. Like my parents never were like, Oh, you're a kid. You need to be quiet. You know, they never told me that it was, we could sit there and we could like talk and like communicate. And I'd be like, Hey, look, like I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling this, or, you know, I'm not, you know, like we could, we were able to like talk and like have these discussions. Um, and so we, we would often share our feelings like a lot. It's almost like a dissonance between your home environment and then the external world. Yeah. You know, and I think if it had just been like the kids, I think I probably would have been kind of fine, but I think, you know, and I think what was really jarring then is just like how adults just being very like dismissive as well. And I, you know, I unfortunately kind of learned over time just subconsciously though, oh, maybe I shouldn't talk. Maybe Mm -hmm. my feelings aren't valid. Maybe I shouldn't speak out. Maybe I should just be quiet. Like, interestingly enough, even though these were like the relationships that I had and I, you know, wasn't really gaining much from them. I still, even afterwards, I still gravitated towards them. Mm -hmm. Um, I still gravitated towards people, you know, who were dismissive of other people's emotions. It just was what I was used to. 
and Mm -hmm. what I was familiar with. I think what you're talking about, a lot of people experience because I don't know, people who are high in openness, I feel want to discuss ideas. They want to discuss emotions. They want to discuss experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. But then most of the population doesn't want to go towards those risky topics. They'd rather stay in the safe zone of like talking about current events or movies or TV shows or whatever. And you have that sort of feeling of, I want to dig deeper. Let's have like, you're yearning for substance in a sense. And you can try to deny yourself a conversation of substance only for so long because it's in your nature to want that. And then when you said, maybe I shouldn't talk. It's so funny that you should say that because I was just thinking that to myself yesterday, because I sometimes get a sense of embarrassment when I, you know, quote unquote, over communicate or overshare because I'm like, look at me, I'm this one idiot that's trying to scratch below the surface and I shouldn't be like this and I should just stop talking. Yeah, it's yeah. And it's definitely one of those things that like, you know, I've I've felt the same way where it's just kind of like when people started kind of maybe just not wanting to talk about certain topics instead of just mentalizing it as like, oh, maybe this is just something that they just don't want to talk about. Maybe this is just something that they just don't know how to express. Like maybe like everything's fine, but maybe it's just something that like they can't like express. I I got into the habit of internalizing it and just being like, oh, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I'm like, I've pushed them into an uncomfortable zone. I'm the bad guy. (laughs) And so I would sit there and, you know, I would just be like, I like, I annoyed them. I, you know, and I, I started feeling responsible then for other people's like feelings. And I felt like that kind of came down to me, you know, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I think that, you know, we still, we still need to sit there and realize like, you know, our words like, and our actions have impacts on others, you know, and be cautious of that. But where I was at, you know, and like what, you know, like you were talking about, how, how do we kind of get to a place where we're conscious and we're responding to that, but we're not taking that upon ourselves and we're not putting the blame solely on us. Like how do we kind of sit there and say, okay, everything's great. You know, everything's fine between us. Let's pivot. Let's kind of like, how do we maintain the peace without blaming ourselves? I'm curious, like, how did you navigate that? What was your sort of solution? So a lot of it was when I started going to therapy, you know, kind of working through sort of the different things that I was like the different habits that I had, like with my therapist. And um, one thing that I noticed is that I was telling my therapist, I was, you know, I was talking and I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, well, you know, I was asking for emotional support from this person, but, you know, they weren't able to give it. But like, I understand because it's they had this going on. They had this. They had this. And my therapist stopped me and she's like, why do you keep defending them? And I was like, what? And she's like, you keep defending these, like you keep defending people like this. Why do you like somebody was, you needed emotional support and the person couldn't provide it. Why do you keep defending them? And I was like, I, you know, I just, I guess I just, I don't know. It made me kind of critically, I think, look at the people that were like in my life and, you know, like the people that like what, what people I think were comfortable with. So I think a lot of it is that kind of learning to like, accept that like people have different levels of like communication. And that's what I've been working, you know, with my therapist a lot of is understanding that like, you know, somebody like me, I want a little bit more of like what I'm, I guess. Yeah. 
But I also kind of am learning more to accept that like, hey, look, not everyone's like that. Not everyone needs that. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that like I'm necessarily doing anything bad. I think kind of letting go of feeling responsible for other people's feelings has been tremendously helpful for me, you know, and realizing that like I can only be responsible for myself, that I can I'm responsible for my feelings and how I'm doing it. You know, I need to let sort of people do what they need to do, you know, and be there for them if they need something from me, you know, and they communicate it. I'm there for them. I'm there to help them. I'm there to support them. But I I don't have to like I I like they are their own person. They are responsible for themselves and that, you know, that doesn't necessarily fall on me. For me, one thing that I've done and I think has been extremely helpful for me is kind of just broadening my friend group mm-hmm. and I think just having, you know, a lot more kind of friends and a lot of different types of friends has been helpful because different people offer like different types of conversations. And, you know, and I think I've gotten a lot more value out of my friendship with people. So, you know, I, I, you know, I agree with that as well. Um, being able to kind of broaden your network. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, um, that was really helpful because then you're not, yeah, because I think it's just when you're, when you are kind of, more of like an emotional person and like a person that, you know, likes to connect with others and likes to build that connection. You know, I, I, it's, I've just been a lot happier when it's just like, I can talk to other people and discuss things with other people and kind of grow these different things and also do different sort of tasks. And it's interesting because over like kind of starting last summer, I started kind of going to like meetup groups and getting more involved in like activities and doing a lot more different stuff. And it's really nice to be able to kind of connect with, I think, a bunch of different people and kind of being able to like build a lot of these different sort of connections in different sort of places. I wish there was like some sort of umbrella term for this experience of like what we're talking about here. It's such an abstract, hard to pin down experience. Like it's not this, it's not like, oh, I feel nostalgia. It's just like, I just feel this weird feeling of wanting to communicate in a certain way and people aren't receiving it and it causes me embarrassment. Like it's, it's very, um, yeah, abstract. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think it's because I think a lot of it kind of comes down to why I think it's a little bit harder to sort of talk about is because, you know, I have I have looked at sort of like different stuff and it's kind of just like I think our views on friendship, we we really haven't built up a lot of conversations around friendship. And I think that friendship is is very important. And I think and I think that's why. I kind of run into sort of I think some of these blocks is that not necessarily because of other people. But I think in terms of society, I think we tend to value, like I said, it's a lot easier for me to talk about work because we value work and we can offer so much advice on work. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like I'm having this problem at work. People go, oh, I've had that problem too. Da, da, da. And like, we have, we've talked about it and we've had that sort of language and whatnot. But I think when it comes to our like romantic relationships, like, you know, I've experienced this in like my relationship and like we can, you know, sort of talk about that. But with a lot of friendships, I think that that's where it gets a little bit hard. And I think that especially also too, for me, for somebody who like, that's what makes it a little bit hard to kind of pin down sort of my thoughts and pin down sort of my feelings is because Mm -hmm. it's sort of a 
where do we categorize it? You know, where do we sort of put it down? And because not everyone has the same priorities when it comes to friendship and that's fine. And I think that that's, that's mainly the lesson is that learning that people have different values, you know, and some people, you know, for them, they may sit there and say the things that I value the most are, um, you know, my partner and my family. And I think Mm -hmm. that you have that miscommunication because for me, it's like, well, I value my friendships and my work a lot. So -hmm. you have kind of these different, conflicting, I think, values that we just, we don't really discuss. And that's what really kind of boils down to, you know, and like kind of, I think learning of like being able to talk to people and being able to open up and realize that like, oh, people maybe have different values in life, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they don't value sort of our friendship. They may just value different things differently. And I think that, you know, kind of realizing that and learning about that. And um, I think that things are changing a lot more now. And I think that, you know, people are valuing like friendships a lot more now. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. what makes kind of these, these conversations a little bit more opening, you know, and kind of like opening things up and being able to discuss them and talk about them, you know, and I think that that's where it makes it nice to be able to kind of like, like I said, have like a broad social life because for Mm -hmm. me, that's very satisfying. And like, you know, going back to television and I think a lot of it, like I love television, I do, but like in television, I think that that kind of did give me not the best expectations because in there it's like you had this like core group of friends that like do all of these things and whatnot. And I think that that's what I based a lot of my friendships off of. And it's like, that's are you saying like TV shows when you'd watch TV? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So you would see these examples and then you would think this is what it's going to be like. And then it would completely fall short of that. And that's, yeah. And that's, that's a lot of it is that I think that that I like modeled a lot of stuff off of that. And I mean, but I understand, you know, obviously from a story point of view, it's like you, you obviously want just like a small sort of group of actors and whatnot. Real life isn't necessarily like that. And I think that, you know, kind of breaking that down and sitting there and realizing that like, oh, it's fine. Like, you know, it's very common for people to have a bunch of different sort of connections and a bunch of different sort of groups. Like you don't, Mm -hmm. it's not like you have like your core group and like that sort of it. Like, you know, people have different friends from different sort of periods. And even to maintain that small group of friends requires a lot of vulnerability and intimacy on all parts, like from all the different people, especially, especially now with like, you know, digital media and everything, there's not a lot of privacy. So I feel like sometimes people, you know, are fiending for genuine connection, but then also a level of privacy because they're so exposed. Um, which, yeah, it's it's kind of a complex world that we're living in now for friendships to really survive and be really healthy. Yeah, you know, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that because it's like, you know, how do we kind of still connect with people but maintain a sense of, you know, privacy because privacy, you know, is is a little bit more. And I think and I think that's also too another thing that I've learned, I think, growing up, because I think as a child, I just shared so much and I just shared so much information, just so much feelings and all of this and that. And now that I've gotten older, like I said, I think I accidentally went in like the kind of far direction and just being like, I need to shut down, but like, not necessarily, I don't need to like shut down completely. But, you know, I have learned that like, Hey, you know, some things I kind of just want to keep private. I just kind of want to keep to myself. 
there's just things that like, you know, I kind of want to understand and process, I think, before being able to talk about. I think a lot of it just comes down to when I was younger. I think that I just was just really kind of just searching so much for like a strong connection and just really just trying to connect with people. And I think the older that I've gotten and I think a lot of my friendships I think it's gotten a lot easier to be friends with people now as an adult because I have a better understanding of myself and I'm very, I find it very easy to hang out with myself, you know, yeah. and I've come to be very comfortable with myself and realizing that like, cause like I said, I don't feel the need to like share everything. And I think that's made friendships a lot easier because then it's like, oh, you know, I don't have to like build these connections. I don't have to have like these like strong things. Like, you know, I can keep some things to myself and I've gotten very, very used to processing sort of my own emotions um, and kind of being able to be by myself and be like, okay, why is it that I'm like feeling this way? You know, what's going on? You know, being able to check in with myself and I think has very helpful in sort of like friendships is that knowing myself and being able to like have a strong sense of myself. When I was younger, I was frustrated. That I couldn't make these connections because I had a lot of my self-esteem was tied to other people, you know, and I, I relied on other people to build up that, that, you know, like opinion about myself. Um, cause I know that, so there's a thing called like attachment styles yeah. and, how, how you kind of attach yourself to others and how that works. And so when I was younger, you know, I would be a lot more of my self-esteem and my self-worth was tied to other people. And I think that that's what makes it so difficult because for me, it wasn't tied to a romantic partner where like typically a lot of people that's, you know, because relationships are a little bit more common and that's what we're used to, but yeah, it was much more friendship. And I think I had to learn over time, I think to be like comfortable with myself and, um, to rely on myself. And that's where friendships were a little bit easier because then it wasn't, it wasn't like I was, I didn't go into these friendships being like, Oh, you know, I'm looking for this connection. Like it was like, I'm comfortable with myself. I want to experience sort of the world with other people. And that's what I started sort of seeking. I wonder, do you journal at all? Surprisingly? No, I don't. I don't tend to journal. Um, I think it's mostly I tend to daydream a lot. I'm a very big daydreamer. Um, So that's why for me, like I just I just tend to have like a lot of thoughts and I kind of just work through a lot of things you know, mentally. And I think about a lot of things and I guess I'm just used to kind of just sitting with myself because again, I think it's because it's like growing up, you know, I tried to like share my feelings with others, but you know, a lot of people are like, we don't really know. We don't really want to discuss this. And like, you know, I've just gotten kind of used to just being like, all right, I'll just discuss these things with myself. You know, and I think that that's like a very positive thing. And I think I needed to learn that. And because it, it is, it is nice to be able to sit there and be like, okay, then I'm able to sit there and process my, my emotions. And I'm able to kind of, I think not depend on other people for that necessarily, but also being like supportive, you know, when I, because there are sometimes, you know, obviously like you can't solve everything on your own. Like you can't, you know, completely do everything on your own. And there are times when you need to turn to people, but I think 
I think it's, I think it's that balance that that's what I've learned. Cause like I said, I was on the one end, I was just trying to just connect with people so much just to get that Mm -hmm. connection to be able to. And then it's like, when I didn't have that, I just relied solely on myself. And that was also like hurtful as well. So now it's kind of just this balancing act of how, you know, how do I sit there and go to others when I need the emotional support, but then also kind of go through things myself. And that's, you know, what I've been working on a lot of, and that's, that's like a lot of the friendships that I have now, I've been opening up now a little bit more Mm -hmm. and being able to talk to them and saying like, Oh, you know, these, these are my emotions. Like, this is like what I'm sort of feeling. And I think the difference is that I don't just like dump it all out. Like I did, you know, in middle school, but I'm able to kind of sit there and be like, Oh, you know, and like, like ask, you know, kind of slowly sort of build stuff up. Cause I think a lot of it is that like when you're young, I think I just wanted that connection just right off the bat. I just wanted to ask as well, like if you could go back in time and give your younger self advice, what would it be after like all this growth that you've done? Like you kind of just need to like accept that, like, or I guess just don't force those connections, go through the process of building them up. And I think that that is a lot more rewarding because the friendships that I have now, the ones that are more rewarding are the ones that I've built up over time, not the ones that I've tried to like make a connection right off the bat yeah. and, and try to like make those deep bonds right away. Those friendships, the, the ones that the ones, the bet, like the more fulfilling friendships are the ones that you kind of build up over time and that you're able to kind of slowly get to know the person and like it builds up. And I think that that's because then you get to know each other. And I think that those relationships are more authentic, you know, and just take it slowly. Like you will get friends, take things a lot more slowly, you know, and accept that like, not every person, like it has to be like a deep connection, you know, like you can be friends with people and be like, Hey, you know, this is not a deep connection, but I like chilling with them. I like hanging out with them. And that's, that's still good too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to wrap up the interview, where do you see yourself in like the next five years? I, I see myself kind of doing kind of like what I did, I think before and kind of just building up sort of like these friendships and taking things, I think a little bit more slow, but then also kind of not worrying about things, I think is because, and I think a lot of that was me when I was younger is that I think I was worried that if I wasn't close with these people, like something may go wrong. Um, that, you know, I think a lot of what I did was just out of, and out of panicking and getting older, I've kind of just let things kind of just go to the universe and kind of just, it's okay. Sometimes, you know, if things do fall apart. And I think that that's where I'm, I'm continuing. That's where I want to see kind of like in the next five years is being able to kind of accept, I mean, as like cheesy as it is, you know, like what I can change and like what I can't focusing on myself and focusing on those things that I, I do have impact over, but the things yeah. that I don't being able to let it go and say, you know, that's the, the, un- like being able to trust the universe and be like, the universe will figure it out and they'll yeah. solve it. Yeah. And was there anything that you felt like you wanted to share, but you didn't get a chance to over the course of the interview? No, not, not at this, <laughs> not that I can think of, I think just right now. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. 